Let's all go to the lobby Let's all go to the lobby Let's all go to the lobby To get ourselves a treat Delicious things to eat The popcorn can't be beat The sparkling drinks are just dandy The chocolate bars and the candy Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Too Obscure for TV podcast, where... Whenever we feel like it, we look for some really weird movies and watch them. And this week, David, what movie did I make you watch? Made me watch was is too strong. You give yourself some credit. Mm-hmm. You gave me some choices here. I did. I did. But I did feel held hostage when I finally got to sit down and watch Thacko. Thacko, a uh, 2008 D&D fan? Fan films, probably, exactly. If, if people remember on our last episode of this installment of the podcast, we had our friend Thomas on, and we talked about Freak Out, which was a, a fan film in a looser sense. It, it was a love letter to, like, horror films, comedy films. It is a slapstick kind of slasher film. Yeah, and it started from, in our conversation, it started from a place of fan film and, and morphed into this totally different thing with an interesting story behind it but this one dean recommended to me and fan film again is a much more accurate label and i it was shorter film much shorter freak out was actually feature length yeah freak out i think clocked in at about 90 minutes 100 minutes something this like that is 50 minutes much more digestible and and honestly i'll give this too and we talked about this obviously while while we were watching it but once it was done kind of well done for for what it is yeah like that is some because i saw this film um i should i should start by saying this is a movie it's about dungeons and dragons but not like yeah yeah tell the, people it's yeah the movie it's not a it's about dungeons and dragons but the people who play dungeons and dragons the forever nerds you know the guys who are like yeah you know wife kids or whatever but we still get together in my basement we play dungeons and dragons and we bullshit and all the fun, nerdy, weird stuff. It's that kind of fan film. It's a movie about the fans of this thing. And I'm a big D&D guy. I've played it for years with my buddies from high school. You know, it's fun. And I found this movie on a whim. I was just looking for, like, D&D, like, stuff on YouTube. And it's free on YouTube, by the way. So if you wanted to, you can actually watch this right now. And honestly, I thought it was going to be kind of trash when i started it because it's a little low quality but yeah it's really like the, the acting in it is a lot better than i think most things of that quality should be yeah those are the t- two things that stuck out to me is when we started watching it it's low quality just like freak out was freak out obviously being done though in i think it was you said 1999 or whatever it was. Uh, i can remember we recorded that episode a few weeks ago. Yeah, so I think the movie came out in 03, I think? Or maybe not even that. But yeah, like I'll, it started it in 99, and then it ended its production in like 03, because it took a couple years for them to make it. And then the, the timestamp on this one is 2008, if I'm correct? Yes. Which I definitely was made within that time, because we were talking about this. It's probably made within the span of like a week. Mm, yeah, yeah. If we're being... If we're thinking they really jammed jammed this out probably in the span of a week they made the movie maybe a month 
if we're being charitable. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of times to take away from the D&D table, but, you know. You know. Uh, but, yeah, it's like what stands out certainly is that it's it's done on a digital VHS camcorder. It's it's mm-hmm. There's one light if a scene is lit. And, well, and I will say, every scene is lit, every scene is composed, every scene is rehearsed. Yeah, there's no flubs. Yeah, it, this it, movie. everything it has the basic qualities of film production and technique in it, which is fascinating, because other than that, it's like, these people really do look like just a group of nerds hanging out in, like, I don't know, some small town in Montana or Minnesota or something. Yeah, because... I, I don't know where this was filmed. Like, that's kind of, like, the weird thing about these movies. Midwestern. Yeah, it looks like the Midwest. It looks like, you know, maybe small town, Wisconsin, Minnesota, so on and so forth. It looks like a small town. And it's, you're you're right. Everybody in here looks real. You know, they all look like authentic D&D nerds. Like, you know, mid-30s D&D people. Then, all of a sudden, we have, like, cameos by real famous yeah. people. No shit. I'm hit with in the in not even the middle. It was like within the first ten minutes, of uh, and again that's saying a lot considering the film's only fifty. But yeah, just out of nowhere, Neil Gaiman shows up. Yeah, Neil Gaiman is a character in this movie. I mean, he has he has he's the most famous writer in the world. I mean, it's yeah, he has granted super famous writer is two thousand and eight. He is actually famous 2008 all right he already wrote Coraline he already did Sandman he did I believe that was like just a year or two after Coraline came out wasn't it as a film probably something like that or around that time he's thoroughly in the thick of his fame thoroughly famous and he's in this this scene they're at like a game store or comic book shop and they're like talking and then as they're leaving like oh my god it's Neil Gaiman and at first you think okay this is just some joke and then it cuts and it's actually just Neil Gaiman just like reading a comic book and he has like a line of dialogue he like talks he like says something to them and then it's just like that's it and it's like did was he just in town well so this is this is what i want to ask because like you came to the table with this movie did you did you do any research on this i did i did do a bit of research on it the thing is is this is one of those movies that's in a very particular niche of film where there's not a whole lot on it I, that's kind of the point of this kind of podcast where they're a little too obscure for tv these aren't the kind of movies you're going to catch even on late night cable you're going to catch these kind of mm, out there right it, kind of bringing back the whole thing where you know you go to your local video store and they give you the blank vhs of that somebody's been training around it's a star wars special that's kind of the nature of this but i did do a little bit of research fun fact Thacko is Neil Gaiman's on-screen film debut, to my knowledge. So you did say that in the middle of his cameo, and I was like, I'd like to fact check. I would really like to fact check that, but I, I I'll give you the fact check. But like, I I kind of want you to ask, like, is there what was the big things that kind of got you about this movie as we're watching it? Okay, so the Neil Gaiman thing is obviously a huge bombshell. Yes. Um, like I was kind of saying before. This movie has technique in it. It's like if, like I told Dean, it's like if a group of students for the era got together to make it a movie and had all the school's equipment available to them, but it was a lot of dialogue in the end. Yeah. Because, like, it is. It's, the film is practically all dialogue, and, by the way, very well-performed dialogue, albeit it's all nerd 
you know, jargon and uh, conversations that are very quick and like witty that really give Aaron, honestly, Aaron Sorkin a run for his money. And it doesn't, none of it adds up into anything. That's for sure. Like the whole thing is like these clerks style uh, sections because they even have like the, the cryptic titling over black screen in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. But none of it really adds up to a whole lot other than it's supposed to be reviewing this world of these nerds and kind of coming to that to a, from, from this interesting little intro, which has little to do with anything that goes on in the actual movie. Yeah. To this like oddly thematic and poignant ending about this world they live in. Yeah. The, I think that's an interesting thing you bring up about like the beginning of the movie where, I mean, the only point of the beginning of the movie is to explain what the hell role-playing games are, but the ending is actually kind of thoughtful. And it's nice. Also, to answer your question about Neil Gaiman, because I did look it up right now, technically, technically, <laughs> this is his first film debut because he was in a, he was an extra in Nightbreed, but he didn't have any lines. And then he was a narrator on for like a TV movie, but he didn't physically appear. This is the first time he was in a in a narrative film where he was on screen and had lines. I, I'll so, I'll, but I mean, it still counts. Whatever. I'll give you that if it's his on-screen film debut, we can classify it that way. I'll give. You I mean, I just kind of want to classify it like that because, bro, Neil Gaiman shows up in a fucking free YouTube movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it's surprising. I mean, we had a literal uh, a literal uh, similar happening in Freak Out, um, with that band Less Than Jake. Yes. And there's just much more out of nowhere. Like, Neil Gaiman, at least, is somewhat adjacent to this... World. Uh, yeah. Whereas he's the writer and creator of one of the most famous comic book series of all time. Sandman's really good. Yeah, it's probably one of, if if you really want to go there, probably one of the better pieces of literature that will have been created in the past hundred years. So, it, go figure. It's really good. But, on top of all that, it's like... I mean, is he... I, I, I want to know the story of how he ends up in the movie, you know? Well, so I'll give you a little info on that, because, I mean, I don't know the very specifics about this film, but I do know a little bit about Neil Gaiman, okay. because, fun fact, so I used to work in a comic book store years ago, and the owner mentioned that she knew who Neil Gaiman was, and I was like, oh, that's that's cool, you know, did... Did you meet him at a convention? And she was like, no, he's just like, he goes into like towns or whatever and just visits local comic book stores being like, hey, you know, what books are you carrying? Because he, he loves comic books. He reads, you know, a, a man who writes comic books reads comic books and he's that kind of guy. Yeah. But he does, and he'll do like signings and stuff, you know, at places, but he'll also just randomly just like walk into places and be like, hey, you know, what books do you have? You know, can I browse around your, you know, back issues? Yeah. So, Whenever he was in town, the owner of the comic book store I, I worked at, sometimes they would go out and, like, have dinner and say hi. You know, they were, like, friendly. So I can imagine that might have just been the thing here. Like, he might have just been doing a comic book signing maybe in that town or he was just, you know, passing through on, like, a book tour and just, you know, walked in. And they might have just been lucky and been like, hey, um, Neil Gaiman, do you want to be in our movie for, like, a scene? It's one shot. He might and he might have just said yes because he is also that kind of guy who would have just said yes to that kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it'd be a hell of a coincidence. It would be a hell of a coincidence. They show up to film their one thing in that comic book 
game store. Well, that's interesting. That actually puts it a little bit more into context. Because even then, they could have contacted him, too. And they, they could have called him and been like, hey, you're around, and we know you do this, so it'd be really cool if you could do this for us. Mm-hmm. As a part of the community, I mean, who knows? Who knows how it happened if there's no paper trail on this thing? There's a little bit. It's just really difficult because the, the filmmaker who made this, he still works. He actually, actually, I believe he actually, he, I'm going to say actually like 15 times because, well, actually, um, I believe he has like a career after Thacko. He, he makes movies. It actually has. Look that up. I'd be interested to know what he's done. Well. Because see, I do believe too. I really do believe that this could be a, whereas Freak Out, it ends up just being like this odd cult mm. phenomena in really aside from like these guys getting together to do this over years i mean they, they made it over for like what four or five years they, they said so. for freak out something like that yeah so it's like yeah nobody's really gonna look at you and be like you took four years to make a feature film i'm not really jazzed about that but mm. th- this i'm like you you know if you showed this to somebody in tv i feel like it, they'd be like oh so you know well, like how the, here's how a fun this. fact. This film actually was seen and reviewed by actual festivals. Yeah. It I, was, I mean, Freak Out had a few. Yeah, it, it, had, it had it won festivals. This is interesting. So, I have some quotes from people who have seen the film. And I actually have something about its selections at uh, festivals. Unbelievably funny. Quoted Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton saw this movie thought it was funny. Smart and Funny, that's um, Bill Corbert from Mystery Science Theater. Um, we have, it was an official selection at Origins Game Fair in 09, and an official selection at PAX 09, which are gaming. Those are the perfect places to show. Yeah, they're gaming conventions. And this seems like, also, I didn't realize gaming conventions had film stuff. You well, know, you know, I mean, I feel, like, I feel like they show it, and they can make it, they can, you know, classifier or whatever i'm trying to say um single out one of the 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 showrooms or what do they call that the oh the halls the convention yeah the hall the convention halls to be like instead of a panel let's show this fan film that they made because the other thing that is certainly apparent in some of those reviews is that the film is pretty funny it is it is fairly smart at times and i really do think that they nail not just making a movie about their lives mm-hmm. but the lives of everybody who plays these games yeah so these are very gen- these are they caricature themselves and they they certainly do make themselves stereotypes of who they know they are and and i think that works to their advantage in creating kind of a guide to this world as, as the movie very obviously opens up it's one of those things where these guys aren't playing themselves they're playing themselves turned up to 11 yeah kind of thing and i you know i played indie and no meme i've had conversations from this movie in real life like it's really weird how so if you've played games long enough or you've been a nerd long enough or you've been in that world long enough you're gonna recognize stuff in this movie it's really cool yeah also to answer the question about the director going on to do other things unfortunately it looks like the director bill has not gone on to do too much else within the industry as long as imdb is concerned he has done other you know short films and things like that his youtube channel is still i believe still active you can find thacko on there um but 
our favorite actor in the film, uh, Duck. Oh, uh, yes. He has actually gone on to work in, in more films. Uh, he was in Little Men. He was an actor in that. And he was a uh, he was Kevin in Demon Slayer, which came out a few years ago. Oh, okay. So yeah, apparently he's he's still acting. And um, why don't you tell people about your favorite actor, Duck? Yeah, you know this guy. He, he's my favorite character in the movie. You know, all the characters are likable. All of them add something relevant to the story. Mm-hmm. There's the dungeon master character. Um, yeah, you you have Aaron, who's this kind of um, uh, not eccentric, but this very particular kind of like dungeon master he's like a little a bit of, yeah he's a little bit of a control freak you have their other buddy is his name oh you have their other buddy john who's you know the, he's the bigger bear of the group. yeah big guy and you know, he's funny but his whole thing is in every everything's kind of you know light around him and then you have duck and he is just he's the comic relief He's, he's just the unabashed weirdo of your group. I wouldn't call him a weirdo. I think he has a lot of charisma to him. Because what I like him to is like a chubby, childish Gambino, like a Danny Glover type. Uh, Honestly, I could see him playing Troy in like a community. Like, yeah. he seems to have... That's actually a good way to describe him. He kind of feels like childish gambino or danny glover in that in that respect so he has this really good charisma to him and that that was that was my favorite thing about it because i thought they all do have these likable qualities about them but i think he above all seems like the most normal of the group i mean that's uh, also to say too um the the bearish character john john he was you know wearing this like collar shirt the whole time he seemed kind of work like uh, like he showed up after like, he got off of work or something. Yeah, like is he gets off his data entry job and goes and plays D and D with his friends. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the other thing that I was kind of a little bit fascinated by, and maybe too while watching it, these are the things that I would have liked to see them do. Is like while I while I totally understand the film and that it's not about creating a story per se. Mm. It's just about showing these skits that all add up to like these things we love about what we do. It, it's a movie more, not more about the story. It's a movie about the atmosphere. the Right. And like <laughs> from the get go, there's a scene where one of the players is late by two hours and everybody has that in their D&D group. And Every like, single I, person. I dabbled and I even had somebody like that in my group. You played for, like, like six months, and you were just like, that motherfucker was late every day. Yeah, and it's like, you know, whether it's or whether it's that or specifically, too, if everybody shows up on time, you never get started on time, and it takes an hour and a half to get going. Never. It, I've played for eight years, and my buddy still shows up an hour late. You can time it to the watch, dude. I swear. Yeah, and so it's like, you know... There's that scene, and the friend isn't showing up on time, and there's this girlfriend situation that's ruining the dynamic of the group. <laughs> yeah. And the way it's structured in the movie, I'm sitting there going, like, this is the this is what the story's going to be about. It's that this is getting in the way of the thing they love, and then all these things will be in there as, like, a love letter, but this will be the central story. Yeah. No. It's actually not even referenced again until the end of the movie. It It's kind of interesting, because you're, you're a screenwriting guy. You're... you're... Your bread and butter is plot, story structure, character development. That's your bread and butter. 
And we had a very in-depth conversation while we were going to go get food about isn't necessary for a film to have a plot. And you were like, well, a film has a plot regardless. Does this film have a plot? Yeah, and there is one. It's just that it's like the plot's the foundation of everything. You know, it, I, I, the way I explained it to Dean, you're going to have a plot whether or not you like it because it's literally just the summation of the what that happens in your movie. Mm. The actions, the or in this case, more really dialogue. Um, dialogue, setting, stuff like that. This is what I would call a paper-thin plot, where it's like there's about five things that actually happen mm. in the movie. It's just then it's all sub- supplemented by like pages and pages of dialogue that these guys came up with, which is a separate thing I want to talk about in a moment. But mm. yeah, it all adds up to, to basically be a plot without like any sort of story. There's... There's micro stories within each scene, and that's kind of how they structure it. Is mm. that it's you would call this episodic, um, but even then, it's like they're more sketches that have been edited together, which is also fine. You know, it it's fine. It it's um kind of it's not really an anthology series, but you it feels like these guys made five D and D related like short skits, yeah. and then we're like, okay, this is our movie. Pretty much, and you know, aside from the fact that it's like they could have used a copy of Save the Cat in order to to get through this, because yeah. then, then too, I think it really would have raised it to a whole nother level to where I'm like, this belongs in some conversations about you know indie films that are, that are you know cult classics. Yeah, um, uh, maybe even a little bit too. Why Freak Out is a little bit more. I, I don't know if this freakout's more well known than Paco because I'm sure neither of them has particular. We are calling this is too obscure for TV. Yeah, that no the the baseline premise of this show is films that are really really hard to find. And it's also a stretch for me to even assume that Freakout had a story. <laughs> yeah, well, Freak Freakout had a story. It had a plot. It's one of those things where. So, Freakout was a hard, like, screwball, weird comedy, right? Yeah. And the plot in that movie was more, we have this concept, now we're just going to kind of have jokes every ten pages, have a gag every five, and then we'll hit 90 minutes eventually. And we'll throw it in this really, really basic three-act structure and just see how it plays out. Whereas Thacko, it's like, they don't even bother with that. It's like, we're, we know exactly what we are. We're basically going to make a riff track for 50 minutes about Dungeons and Dragons, our playgroup, you know, the playgroup of every D&D group in general, and kind of represent that, that culture in a way that's coming from a place of love rather than disdain. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's like, uh, like I said, and this is the point I was, I've was i been trying to get back to, is like the whole dialogue thing. The pages and pages of dialogue that actually fill up this movie are so surprisingly well, it's clever, well, re- well rehearsed, fast-paced, and full of a lot of, like, very specific things. Yeah. Where it's like, if you don't play D&D, you're not really going to get it. Um, but... Y- even still, they find a way to make it, like, noticeable and, like, understandable kind of what's going on. Because, you know, like I said, I play D&D a little bit is how I would classify it, whereas Dean is a bona fide 
player. I am I am the king of nerds. I play World of Warcraft, I read comic books, and I play D and D. Yeah. And I have no idea what what is it, GURPS or GURPS? Oh or... god, okay. So there's a running gag in this film about the role playing system known as GURPS. GURPS stands for Generic Universal Role Playing System. And the meme, if you want to air quote, the meme about GURPS is that it's, you know, kind of crap because it's generic, you know. it It's something where it's like, oh, you fit it into anything, and it's like, the meme in the community is that no one plays GURPS. The only reason you play GURPS is because you can't afford D&D books. Yeah. That's kind of the meme. And, you know, I've, granted, I've never played GURPS. I mean, you'll never get me to admit on recording if I've ever played GURPS or not. That that don't happen. But, yeah, that's, like, that's the running gag in the movie that no one plays GURPS. The nail on the head is that you can recognize it's a running gag, so you can recognize the shame admitted along with playing GURPS, on top of the fact that it's exaggerated. Yeah. But, yeah, it's like, you know what this actually reminds me a lot of is, um... There's this particular style of comedy related to the creator of such Nickelodeon cartoons as Fairly Odd Parents and. Oh, uh, Bill Hartman, I think is his name? I think so. Let me. Double check. No worries. I mean, I can gush about this for a little bit longer before we get into the nitty gritty about it. So, my. Butch Hartman. Butch Hartman, yeah. It reminded me a lot of that. Like, or at least that era of, like, comedy mm. where. The, the technique and the, the method of it is taken seriously. It's a little wacky. It's a little bit like... Uh, kind of a classical in certain ways. Mm. Where it's not supposed to be like deconstructing or like just... It's not Rick and Morty humor. You know? Yeah. Like everything is fucking breaking the fourth wall. Don't get me wrong. I like Rick and Morty. I hate Rick and Morty fans. Because it's like when people are like... Yeah, you know, in, in Rick and Morty fandom, it's like, look, you're not going to understand the jokes unless you have, like, unless you're just, like, super smart, man. I'm like, bruh, I don't need to be that smart to understand the, the, the poo-poo joke. And, yeah, and you know what? That's actually not a bad parallel either because, like, these people want normal people to recognize the jokes. They want people to understand Dungeons & Dragons. And that's probably why they made this on top of making it for the actual fans of the game. Yeah. That's why they make it so e- like they try to make it anyway so easy to understand is that they want you to get into it yeah. because that's the whole point of being a fan of this game is that it's all about comfort and camaraderie. It's all about like it. The game isn't about the game; it's about the friends you have that you play the game with. Yeah. It's a good parallel to be like, well, why did your granddad and all of his drinking buddies, sh- you know, show up and play cards in the garage every Friday night? It's basically the same parallel. It's because, well, they're all friends and they just needed something to do yeah. together. Yeah. Which is interesting because, like, the the one thing I'm fascinated by endlessly is, like, kind of like the, the, the Americana history of early Dungeons and Dragons and magic. Oh, buddy. And, like, the, the satanic undertones that people thought it had, you know? Oh, when all, really all it was was just, like, nerds in the basement literally what the movie is actually so i got a story for you yeah so so funny how you say you know 
Magic the Ga- Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, those were the things in the in the late eighties, early early eighties, where oh, worshiping this is gonna you know make you into a devil worshiper. Yeah. So I play Magic the Gathering. I into D and D. Yeah, just add layering more nerd on top. Of- more nerd, and back when anime like manga, you know the old. My you- sister was very much into it. Yeah, well, I got into that basically when that stuff started to become a thing in North America in, like, the early 2000s. I mean, obviously, it was there beforehand, but, like, I was like, oh, man, like, you know, Detective Conan, Case Closed, Came to America. I love that show on Adult Swim, so I read it. And, again, I'm going to keep exposing the amount of super nerd I am. And my teacher took my book away and was like, yo, is this one of those devil books? And I was like, what what do you what do you mean? And he's like, all right, if there's tits or if there's like any pentagrams in here, I'm sending you to the office. And I was like, bro, it's just about some like. And I had to think about. it. I was like, oh wait a minute, there might be fucking tits and you know some evil sorcery in that That's in that true. anime. Because like Japanese manga was particularly above PG PG thirteen most of the time. Yeah, yeah, it was really weird. But especially when they were created by like you know guys who were above the age of twenty six. Writing about high school. Yeah, look, I I didn't read no fucking porno manga. All right, I read yeah, like, like Case Closed was basically like like Sherlock not... Holmes. All right, that basically that's what it was. Yeah, but yeah, so but I can even that stuff where it's like oh the Satanic Panic stuff, I may not be able to relate directly to the to that Satanic Panic, but I can relate to the whole adults not understanding the shit you're into and yeah. thinking it's bad. And that, that exists in, like, all subcultures, too, because just as, like, you, like you've been into all the nerd things for a while, uh, like, for me, that existed a lot in, like, the music stuff I would do when I was in high school, and then, like, being surrounded by, like, the punk and metal music, like, you know, that was, that was always seen as, like, a are you depressed, are you violent, or something kind of thing, and it was like, no, really what it is is it sounds good to me when I'm 14. It's like- to juxtapose the massive nerd that is Dean is the, the like, tattooed-up metalhead that is David over here. No, 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 no. No, 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 no! You're yeah, you're not the cool. Glasses. It's not. It's not. It's not rocket science. It's, <laughs> you know, it's like. But yeah, I, I, it is kind of interesting to see like the preconceived notions people have about these like weird subcultures. And D and D is, I think, especially interesting to me because it's such a weird. It's such a weird disconnect between what you know suburban moms thought. Dungeons and Dragons was, you know, it being that whole satanic panic thing, and then what it actually was, was just a bunch of people interested in, like, Middle English, you know, uh, Wiccan and, and Pagan thing. It wasn't even that far, dude. You know what people got into, you know what people got into D&D? Because they were massive nerds and they wanted to play Aragorn, son of Arathorn, ruler of Rohan from Lord of the Rings. And also, I have to say the whole thing because I'm a massive nerd who loves J.R.R. Tolkien. But that's besides the point. Yeah, and that, that's true. It's like it, at the end of the day, what it is, as well as being recreation and a way to connect with people in a community, is it's an escape yeah. from real life, which is terrifying and depressing and... Uh, Welcome to 2020. Yeah, we probably need Dungeons and Dragons now more than ever. 
which is odd to admit, but yeah, I mean, now more than ever, people need to escape their lives in a lot of different ways. Mm. And it's... There's a whole lot of worse ways to do it than Dungeons & Dragons, I can tell you that much. Yeah. Also, this movie also has kind of a heartwarming wrap-up at the end, because um, the, the whole thesis, and I guess the end of the film, which really wraps up what's going on, is the late player shows up, and he kind of talks, and he's like, yeah, you know, I was thinking about, you know, playing, why do I play all these RPGs? And it was because of all you guys, you guys are my best friends. And, you know, they all laugh, and, you know, there's one final bit at the end, they all laugh, it's over. And then we have on text on black screen, or white text on a black screen, that the film is dedicated to Gary Gygax, and um, who is the creator of Dungeons & Dragons, and David Arneson, who was the co-creator of Dungeons & Dragons, because by the time the movie came out, they had both passed away within like a year of each other, or within a few years of each other. So this is kind of a thing where it's like, hey, you know, Dave... Thank you. Yeah, Dave, Gary, thank, thanks for thanks for letting all us weird nerds have friends. Yeah. You know, even in this very weird game, you know, thank you. Yeah, and you know, and that scene as well as another scene that really gets got me in the middle of it was... The scene about uh, John getting rid of all of his memorabilia. Yeah. Because he woke up one night after a nightmare, which turned out apparently just to be a scene from Labyrinth. you never seen Labyrinth, man? Come on. No, I've seen Labyrinth. It, it's just like, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's like there was kind of an interesting thing there. Like, uh, it, it was one of the scenes that, that if there was that story from the beginning... Mm-hmm. could have been connected to that and I'm like damn this had so much more potential than it needed to have but that in the actor who plays John really tries to sell it like all of them do yeah but yeah he he definitely does and it's like um it really kind of dug into this like you know all stories kind of have their like uh thesis antithesis and synthesis you know mm-hmm. Aristotle's poetics all that kind of crap yeah the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, and that was, I feel like, the ugly bit of it, where it's like, this is the antithesis of what being a nerd is, is that eventually you have to come to terms with the fact that this all is all meaningless. It's all, you, there's a point where it's, you kind of realize that all the cool stuff you got in your 20s, in your 30s, it just turns into to junk that's collecting dust. Yeah, and that, you know, you spent, like they said, hundreds of dollars on, only to find out that it's like you don't use it so why not just sell it again and get it out of your life and that's i think actually even still why i like that that scene is because it doesn't end with like some like really sad thing that doesn't get resolved to the end is it almost immediately the character realizes like i'm glad to have that crap out of my life because then it gets you know it pushes everything out of the way and gets to the real important thing which is this it is funny because he makes a point to say that yeah, I got rid of all the stuff I didn't use, but I kept all the stuff we use. All the games that I play with you guys, I kept. Yeah. And it's, it's it's really interesting. This movie, the whole, I guess, crux of the film is, you know, friendship, I guess. Camaraderie, I guess the same stuff we said at the beginning. But yeah, this movie, for 50 minutes, I say I definitely enjoyed the watch it kept it kept me it kept my attention it was enjoyable there were some good scenes the cell phone scene is great the uh, cell phone scene got was the one that got the good laugh and and also 
I mean, if you think about it, is uh, kind of evergreen in the fact that that still definitely exists in many forms. Oh, yeah. If anything, it only got more true. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this one. All right. Well, David, I think we're kind of getting to the end of this this one. Yeah, not super long, but the movie wasn't super yeah, long Yeah, it's either. like proportionally, this is, you know, a pretty a pretty full conversation for what this is. Yeah. So I kind of want to ask you a question before we go in. We've watched three films so far. We've watched Unnecessary Death, or sorry, A Necessary Death. We watched Freak Out, and we've watched Thacko so far. And we're going to get a couple more of these two obscures in. This is generally an infrequent kind of podcast, but I try and make this... Yeah, this is more of like the hobby, like we, f- we figured out something to do for an episode, which so we're going to do it. Yeah, I'm going to try and push for more episodes to come out later, but I want to ask you this. So we've seen three movies so far. Which one of these do you think you enjoyed the most, and which one do you think was actually the best movie so far? Right, so my enjoyment level honestly had to have come out of freak out because that one you know you and me and thomas watched that one and it's it genuinely like catches you off guard with how funny it can be yeah yeah i enjoyed that one probably the most but i still have to stand by my my pick that started the show a necessary death as being the one i think is still the best one because that story to me to this day is just it blows me out of the water i honestly it's good to know i'm gonna try and break that top spot with our next couple of episodes but that's gonna have to wait for next time but for everybody out there unlike freak out and unnecessary death you can actually go and watch thacko for yourself and get a good uh view of it give the youtube channel uh i think it's the director's name which is bill stittler stittler yeah uh bill spelled b-i-l-l if you can't spell bill and it's Stittler, S-T-I-T-E-L-E-R. That's on YouTube. You can also just search the movie. It's called Thaco. It's spelled T-H-A-C-O. And you can find that YouTube. It's the first one that comes up. You can't miss it. It's 50 minutes long. Give it a watch if you like D&D, if you like your friends, if you like bullshitting for 50 minutes and watching other people bullshit for 50 minutes. You'll like cool it. Cool 50 minutes, I matter. It goes by pretty quick. Yeah, it's actually really, really well edited. You know, there's a, some long dialogue bits, but if you're if you're in the in the know, you're gonna get it. But yeah, so I guess that's it. Um, David, you want to plug anything before we wrap up this one? No, I mean, you know, end of the year. We've we've if not by now, by the time you're hearing this, uh, we'll probably have released our end of the year episode and the rest of the episodes at the end of the year and. Uh, depending on the release date of this, maybe we're even in the new year, experiencing new things, exciting things mm-hmm. on the docket for the double feature, um, and a lot of other things that will be coming out on the channel. So just keep an eye out for that, and uh, Dean, where can they keep an eye out for all that? They can keep an eye out for that on our YouTube channel, In the Frame. That's where you can find the Double Feature podcast. You can find this podcast, Too Obscure for TV. And you can also follow us on our Instagram, double feature underscore podcast at Instagram. And beyond that, you can also follow me at the Film Club podcast I do with my girlfriend, who is actually going to be joining us for our holiday extravaganza, or has already joined us for our holiday extravaganza. Uh, look out for that episode. That one is also at the Film Club podcast on Instagram. Exactly. Yep. 
Well, until uh, next time, Dean, you will have to roll for... Uh, you can do this, man. Yeah, it's been a while since I played. <laughs> roll for confidence that this file will not corrupt. Oh, I can already tell you that's a nat one, homie. Yeah. All right. Later on, everybody. See you soon. See you next time. Peace. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.